0: Welcome to Friars and Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. And coming to us live throughout the United States is Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo from MILB Pipeline. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. How are you guys?
1: Doing okay. Um, Normally, I don't appear at the same time as Jim, but I'm making an exception.
2: Oh, we appreciate you guys making this exception. This This is a treat.
0: I absolutely feel honored to have you guys. Every time you guys come on, I still feel just like way, way more important than I really am. When you guys, you know, come on and talk uh, Padre baseball with us. So let's get right to it. Robert Hassel, Robert Hassel, the third best bat in the lineup. But, you know, probably goes with another guy that's high school, high risk, but high reward.
1: John, You want to go first, Jim?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's really high risk, to be honest. Um, I, mean, I think he's he's the best high school bat in the class. Um you know, I, I, I'm going to be shocked if he doesn't hit. I mean, I think the questions will hassle the variance comes, you know, how much power does he have? Does he stay in center field? But I mean, this guy's definitely going to hit. I mean, I, I think he had probably, Yeah, I know Jonathan loves him. Um, I yeah. think he probably had the highest floor among high school players. I mean, would that be fair to say Jonathan?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's it. And I think we're at a point now where, the industry has just done such a good job of identifying the really good high school hitters. It's not like high school arms. Yeah, there are some guys who are like super toolsy or athletic, and then you know, it doesn't come together. Or they play multiple sports, whatever it is. But the guys who like have a reputation and the reports are all that boy, this guy didn't really hit. They tend to hit, and they tend to get to the big leagues. And sometimes it you know it doesn't take them how long. It might be a fun study to. Dude, just to look at the you know guys from previous draft class who were at that label of being like the best pure high school hitter you know the, those are the guys who are getting the big leagues when they're 21 22 years old at the latest
0: certainly with the uh with the with all the elite showcasing kind of uh, reps he got he definitely does profile for someone that could move fast and that really does take you know earns the pick of eighth overall
2: so I, him versus Veen was something that it seemed like the Padres were weighing and it was hit over power, but it also sounds like there's a uh, a disparity on the bonus that they're going to command. We haven't heard what the bonuses are going to be, but Hassel's a Vanderbilt commit. It's kind of surprising to hear that Veen might draw more. Have you heard anything on that side?
3: That, that wouldn't actually surprise me because I, yeah, I think you have to look at it as to where these guys were going to go in the draft. Hassel was not going to go higher than eight. And he might have gone 12 or a little bit lower if he didn't go eight. Veen, you know, before Austin Martin fell, I I thought was going to go in the top five. So I think Veen went, Veen basically went as low as he was going to go. He wasn't going to get past nine and Hassel went as high as he was going to go. So I I think that's where that, that comes into play there. Um, And it's interesting. I mean, they're both very good players. You know, I think finance is, do play a part in this because you're going to have to come up with a way to, to save enough money to pay Cole Wilcox in the third round. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, but I think that's what was going on there. I mean, I think had Veen – you know, I think Veen had a very good chance to go four or five until Ace a- a- Lacey and Austin Martin unexpectedly were both available with those picks. And like I said, I, I, don't, I don't think Hassel was going higher than eighth. He might have gone tenth. Um, and if he didn't go tenth, you know, he might have gone 13th. So I, I think they'll probably get Hassel for below slot, whereas I would expect Veen to command, you know, the, the Rockies' entire slot one pick later.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that you have to take into consideration is, yeah, everyone sees Vanderbilt commitment, and they that automatically means higher price tag, but not at that part of the draft, really. Uh, you know, I mean, I think Hassel wants, wants to play. They knew that. Um, but, yeah, I don't it, – it's not an automatic, oh, you have to go above slot to – uh to sign him uh you know at, at that you know stage of the draft and i think jim has it exactly right you know if he was going to go 13 or 14 or somewhere around you know there more likely then they were able to use that and say hey we won't, we'll take you here but only if you'll sign for for x and you know with the way the draft has worked in this bonus pool era the padres you know likely know exactly what that dollar figure needs to be
0: you know it- how can Vanderbilt get these guys committed and get them? You dra- know, they get drafted and still win a national championship. I mean, <laughs> is the program just that darn good? Is it? Are they just the pick of the litter in the country?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they are. That. I mean, if. You, I mean, they do lose a lot of top recruits. You know, that's when you recruit the best players in the country, that is going to happen. You know, Pete Crow Armstrong's another guy they had in this first round. But, I mean, Jonathan's working on a story that'll probably be up on our site next day or two about the top prospects early look for next year's draft. And the top two guys in the draft look like they're Vanderbilt pitchers. I mean, Kumar Rocker was a, you know, could have gotten, you know, first-round type money out of high school if he would have signed. And the same thing with Jack Leiter. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, that's the, the the, you know, risk reward of recruiting those types of guys. You're not going to keep all of them, but they do a pretty good job of, of keeping you know, more than most teams do.
1: Yeah. I think they, the, what they do is one, there's always a few of those top guys who honor their commitment, right? They slide in the draft, the Kumar rockers of the world. And, and, uh, and even Jack lighter to an extent, they also do a really good job of finding guys who weren't quite ready to be that, that guy in high school, Um, and then develop into the guy. If you look at their list of commitments, they just completely own the Northeast. They get guys from like cold weather areas that they see potential in and they often go. And even if those guys don't end up being, you know, tremendous draft prospects, they often end up being really, really good college players. And that's, I think, Corbin has managed to to build such a program year in and year out.
0: So has, you know, it seems like, brother has gone back again to Tennessee you know, last year, picking up weathers now this year with hassle um, is Tennessee an untapped market for, for, for players, for high school. Well, players? it's not just, it's not just Tennessee. It's also North Carolina
2: where McKenzie Gore, uh, the fifth rounder, this guy came out of North Carolina. CJ Abrams is from that area.
3: Yeah. I think that's more random than anything else. I mean, when you're picking at the top of the draft and you're picking in the top 10, you're scouring the whole country. I mean, I know they thought Gore was the best guy, uh, you know when, when they had the number three pick, but you know when you're picking at six, you're picking at nine, you're picking at eight. You, you're scouring the entire country. I, I honestly think it's more coincidental. I mean Tennessee. I mean I do think the the quality of baseball in Tennessee has risen. I mean as the Vanderbilt program has risen, I think that's increased baseball interest in the state. Um, you know Tennessee's you know on the way bouncing back too. Those are two good college programs. There's some good mid-major programs, pretty deep high school class. But um. so, yeah, I, I think Tennessee maybe nationally, you know, the casual fan might underrate how good the overall baseball is in Tennessee. But I don't think it's so much that the Padres are are focusing on the southeast. You know, I, I just think, you know, that, that, that these are the guys they've happened to take.
1: Jim completely blowing the opportunity to, <laughs> to heap praise upon the Padres area scout in Tennessee. Nice I- job, Jim.
3: Well, I mean, (laughs) you know. That said, I I don't think he was make pulling the trigger on Ryan
1: Weathers and Robert Hassell
3: by himself.
0: And that's
1: He's feeling he's feeling pretty good right now, though.
2: I
0: bet that's Tyler Stubblefield too. I think that's out there for the Padres.
2: So Justin Lang was the comp pick, and he was kind of a pop up guy. He added a ton of weight in the last year with this strength conditioning program, um, and added a bunch of velocity in a short period of time. are there health issues with that that quick of a ramp up in velocity, or are there other things that they could look at his training uh, regimen to, to 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 calm those concerns?
3: Um, you know, Texas is my state, you know, so I've probably talked to a few more guys about him than Jonathan has. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think any high school pitcher who throws hard at a young age—I mean, in the back of your mind, you're wondering, you know, is, is this guy going to stay healthy? I mean, you know, I, I think from a optimistic side. Um, you're looking at a guy who's, who's got a really strong body. He's, you know, a, a quick twitch athlete, um, you know, and he's pretty raw. You know, it's a low level of, of Texas high school competition. Um, so, I, I feel, you know, I think this is a guy who, who's probably a little bit less polished than your typical high school guy taken in the first couple rounds. But, I mean, uh, the arm strength, I mean, it's hard to argue with. I mean, he was in the upper 90s a lot this spring, you know, during the brief high school season, hit 100 miles an hour. Um, he can flash a plus slider. Um, he, he's going to be more of a longer-term project. I mean, totally different guy than Ryan Weathers, who was, who you know, son of a big leaguer and polished and Gatorade Player of the Year and left-handed and all that. I mean, I think I think Lang is going to be more of a long-term project with a potential higher payoff in the end.
2: So a similar project was taken right after him, Owen oh, Casey, on the hitting side. He's a big guy, big shoulders. Uh, clearly has a lot of power, but being in Canada, he's a cold weather guy. Um, have, did you guys get a, a decent look at him? A decent read on him?
1: Uh, I mean, not a, not a decent look, but I did talk to you know to, uh, to scouts about him, and you know there were there were two Canadian high school outfielders kind of vying for the best guys, Owen Casey and, and David Calabrese, and uh, and Casey kind of jumped ahead, um, you know, playing for the Canadian junior national team. Um, what did, was it, Jim? Did you say you sort of like the Zach Veen of Canada?
3: Yeah, or, I just watching video of him when we were yeah. doing the draft broadcast, he's 6'4 and left handed hitter. And I just, I mean, I don't think he's as polished a hitter, but like I, right. I, I kind of like calling <clears throat> him the medium, Zach Veen. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, body type wise, I think they both end up in outfield corner. I think that Veen is probably, uh, maybe a touch more athletic. Um, but Casey's got a strong arm, he's gonna have power. Um, you know, maybe you think he can play center. Um, and some people think that maybe he can, he didn't largely because of Calabresi, you know, had better speed. I think the kind of guy that maybe he could play center, but if your team has a better center fielder, you move him over. And I think he, I think he's going to fit that, that profile of a corner outfield spot, uh, real, re- really well. And, you know, the cold weather and things like that, this is not like a super, super polished, uh, Guy, there's probably going to be a way to go, but there is legit left-handed power there.
2: People always throw comps out there and it always makes me cringe. And I, one made my eyes pop out of my head. Somebody threw uh, a Gallo comp on Owen Casey. Is that completely out of mind or is that in the right galaxy?
3: He's not. I mean, Gallo was a lot different player. I mean, yeah. Gallo wasn't nearly as athletic as Casey is. I mean, not that Casey's a premium, premium athlete, but but Casey's a much better runner. And I mean, and I mean, Gallo was throwing 98 miles an hour on the mound. So I mean, I guess they're both you know big power potential. But that's I, I don't love that comp at all.
1: No, I don't. I'll, and Jim and I are not huge comp fans. We understand people really get into them, but um, uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't. Other than the left-handed power and the strong arm, like I don't, I don't actually see that there are. There also aren't the swing and miss uh, concerns with Casey that there were for Gallo when he was coming out, and still are.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it seems like Preller has gone more to the hit tool than the athleticism in the past. So it seems like in the beginning he went very much for, you know, the guy that if he's an athlete we can figure it out to more refined tools at least, you know, better in, in, each player that he's picked. Do you guys see that note? i noticed that change.
1: Hmm. Uh, you know, I hadn't really looked at that, but you know, it, 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 it depends. I mean, well, he took CJ Abrams last year. Right. So, um, you know, not that Evan Abrams was kind of a combination of all those things, uh, very talented player with a ton of upside. Um, so I, 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 that may be another one of those random and just cyclical what what was there in the draft uh, for them you know, uh, at, at the time that they were picking.
2: Yeah, right. I'd agree with that. So Lang and Casey, they appear to be underslot picks and Hassel as well. Uh, clearly, this was all a play to go after Cole Wilcox. Do you guys think that it's realistic that they're going to sign Cole Wilcox?
3: I do. I mean, I don't think they necessarily knew he was going to be there in the third round. Um, you know, I think. Yeah, you know, I think. You know, they're, they're, they've obviously drafted guys with an eye to saving money. I mean, they've saved about five hundred fifty thousand on their fourth and fifth rounders. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what it takes to get Wilcox. But like, I mean, I think if you were all in on Wilcox, well, I mean, you could have been hoping to maybe get Wilcox with that third round pick. But there was no guarantee that after you took Casey in the second round that he was definitely going to be there. I, you know, Johnson, I keep giving the same variation of this answer even in a normal year with a 40 round draft and 10 round. I mean, last year, only two guys total didn't sign teams manage their, their bonus pools extremely carefully. And and I think it goes to reason that they're going to manage their bonus pools even more carefully this year when you only have five rounds. So I I don't think you just take a guy like on a wild stab, like, ah, don't know what Cole Wilcox wants. Hopefully we can get it to him. Um, You know, I I don't know what he's going to sign for The, the, The What I'd heard was the reason he didn't go on the first day, and you know, and this is more gossip than hard facts, was that he had a four million dollar price tag on the first day, and it came down to three million the second day. Well, his slot isn't even quite eight hundred thousand, so I don't know if they can get to three million. You know, maybe they can get to, I don't know, two and a half. Um, but I, I still, you know, yes, they get the pick back next year if they don't sign him because it was a third rounder, but. I, I still think they do sign him. I, I don't think you take him unless you feel like you have a really good chance to sign him.
2: Well, they did you know, it last think, year with Hudson Head.
3: But Yeah, but you had more room to play with because you had a 10-round bonus right. pool with an extra million dollars. Like, you basically had your bonus pool is a million dollars less than it would have been last year. So, So, you know, it's a little trickier to get to three million if that's what the number is in the third round than it was last year.
1: Yeah, and I think he, the one of the the bigger differences, and, and in the end, you know, like we, I was just looking at this last year. Every single player in the top five rounds signed, every single one. Uh, there were only two who didn't sign, and they were, you know, back. One was the tenth round, and one was the seventh rounder. This year, I think the 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 the, the bigger difference is I think that let's say the same scenario had played its and it was a ten round, uh, and it was a ten round draft. And a player like Cole Wilcox got to a, a team and they had no idea if they were going to be able to sign them. I think there was more chance that they would roll the dice without knowing in that scenario than in this five round scenario. It was a long way of saying that. I think the Padres knew that they probably were going to be done. I, I don't think there's a guarantee that every single player is going to sign. There may be an exception, but I, you know, if I were to bet, I would say everyone's going to sign and that's the, the need for more certainty because you can't make up more ground with in round six to 10. If this had been in, you know, last year or previous years and the Padres wanted to take Wilcox and they, whoa, we didn't know he was going to be here, you know, uh, well, we have a rough idea, you know, we're going to take a chance and we're going to take five seniors and sign them for $1,000 each late and that's going to save us some more money. Like, you couldn't do that this time around. That's why I feel a little more certain that, they, that they'll get that done.
0: And he's going to be a starter. Yeah, he. Uh, it seemed like he kind of lost a little bit of value going from the bullpen, uh, from the from starting to the bullpen. Now he's back to starting this last few games. He well, started. jumping in the bullpen, he showed he can touch a hundred. So there's yeah. some value
2: there. But well, he profiles as a front end starter, right?
3: Well, I mean, that's the upside. I mean, the reason, I mean, <laughs> I went to Georgia, so I monitor the Bulldogs pitchers a little closer than most. I mean, the reason he opened last year in the bullpen is I think that was just a way of breaking a freshman into the sec. And he was in the rotation for the second half of the season. They had a, they had a, a pretty deep rotation last year. I mean, there's a ton of upside with him because he can get up to a hundred miles an hour with life on the fastball. He can show you a, a plus change up and a plus slider. The, questions are it's like a low elbow delivery which you know some scouts worry about you know your health long-term health with that and he's got a really long arm action so hitters see the ball so for a guy with his kind of stuff he gets hit harder than he should um and you know, he doesn't always throw consistent strikes. He was better this year. Although this year is such an aberration because, you know, they, they didn't play the sec part of their schedule. It was the light part of their schedule. So huge upside here, but there, there, there's also more polish needed than your typical, um, your, your typical college guy who, who had a chance to go in the first round.
2: Okay. So Casey Hassel, Lang Wilcox. Th- that's four pretty talented guys. Uh, I know you were a long ways away from putting together a top 30 list for 2020, 2021, but do you have an idea on how many of those guys would, would fall into that list and kind of like which, which tier they might fit into?
3: Jonathan, do you want to go first? Cause I actually answered this question in a Twitter chat today.
1: You
2: did. So I,
3: I, I can, I can, um I, I can follow up after you. Wait, or, so you, or I can go first if you would rather me go you, first.
1: Wait, wait, I just want to get this right. You answered a question about where the,
3: yes, will go
1: on a Padres top 30.
3: I did. I got that exact question in a Padres in a, in a
1: draft
2: Twitter chat. Um, so. You
1: know, I'm going to let you do it since I'd have to go. <laughs> I'd have to go looking.
2: Okay. It, it's now, funny, now I'm going to yeah, look that tweet up. Yeah, totally sure. passing the buck.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's fine. I mean, to me, I'd put Robert Hassel, I think fourth on the list between Patino and Camposano. Um, I could see arguing him behind Camposano. Um I, for, I personally would put him ahead of Taylor Trammell. At this point, um, I, I like Taylor Trammell. So I, I could see putting Robert Hassel up, you know, fairly high on the list. You know, and then now again, all this said, you've got to make it work on the top 100. So, you know, you know and I don't do the Potters list, so I don't have final word on this. And then I think the other guys like you could argue, you, know, you could put as many as four guys, you know, argue them into the top 10. I, I personally would put Cole Wilcox would be my second guy out of the draft. I would put him, you know, probably... You know, in the same area as Ryan Weathers and, and Joey Cantillo, um, and then I think with with Lang and Casey with the upside, I mean, you could kind of argue them right around that same area. Um, so I mean, that would be four guys, which would then make the top ten of top fourteen. They all wouldn't fit in there, but but I think all these guys probably all four of those guys probably belong on the upper half of our Padres top thirty.
2: Nice. So Levi Thomas is kind of a pitchability guy. It's like a high floor. Doesn't have the crazy ceiling, and then Jager Haynes filled out the draft. Um, who's kind of a roll of the dice that he signed for three hundred K? Surprised he went that that high, I guess. Uh, do you guys have a take on either of them?
3: Yeah, yeah, you know, it's I'll, I'll, it's like they kept drafting guys from my half of the country. I think <laughs> <laughs> there, there are six guys, five well, of them guys it, that man. I break down. You know, Thomas, Thomas, uh, Jonathan, and I like were enjoying having fun during the draft because we we what did we write up about an no, extra twenty twenty five guys each for our. Our MLB draft tracker, guys who didn't make the 200 who could get drafted. And every time one of those guys got drafted, we were excited. And Levi Thomas was one of those guys for me. What, what, what Levi Thomas was, was essentially, you know, Jonathan pointed out, you, you couldn't save money by taking $5,000 senior signs in round 6 through 10. But what you could do is you could take a guy like Levi, Levi Thomas, who, who's a 22-year-old junior and sign him for $80,000 in the fourth round and save four fifty there. That's like taking senior signs in rounds eight, nine, and 10 combined. He he's, he's probably going to be a reliever. It's high spin rate guy, you know, on the, on the four seam fastball, he's got good depth on his breaking ball. He's got a slingly slingy delivery. That's deceptive. So, I mean, he, he's, probably, you know, he's not a real big guy. He, he's probably one of those guys who, who's a mineral leaf type, but, you know, has good pitch metrics. You know, Jagger Haynes is real interesting. I, I did not have him on my radar, so it prompted some quick texting when he, uh, when the fifth round, but, but talking to my area guys, they said he was a guy who was, was, you know, I, one of the guys I talked to said he was actually trying to get him in the fifth round and his team wouldn't pull the trigger that he was a guy who, who's super projectable. He's six three one seventy committed to UNC feel for three pitches but it was kind of 85 88 during the spring you know you you got a very brief look at him but then after the season ended early in i guess some private workouts not for teams but you know on i don't know if twitter or you know you're shooting video he was up to 93 miles an hour and that got some people some people who like the projectability and pitchability got excited about that I, I i will admit i'm surprised he signed like that you could get a guy like that for $300,000 um, who's committed to UNC, which is a top program. Now, Grant, there's a lot of uncertainty about what next year is going to look like in, in college baseball and, and, and whatever. But, like, I actually – I'm really surprised you could get an upside high school guy. Now, Grant, I know he didn't have, like, this huge track record, but for $300,000 in the fifth round is pretty interesting. Um, so, like, you know, and it's, it's interesting to me, too, that the fact – I mean, they, they clearly had to know what it was going to take to sign him. They signed him pretty quick. That you would take a guy for three hundred thousand rather than a Levi Thomas top type for you know eighty thousand or whatever to save more money for Cole Wilcox, which which again feeds back into to, to my belief and Jonathan's belief. I think that they know pretty good idea what's going to take to sign Cole Wilcox and they have it figured out.
2: So I don't know if you noticed, but the guy that posted the video of Jagger Haynes working out that was Seth Frankoff's Twitter account, and Seth Frankoff it was a uh, he was a minor league invitee to Padres spring training. So he's a member of the Padres staff. They've been working out all summer. They're from the same town. Seth Frankoff is about to become Mackenzie Gore's brother in law. He's engaged to Mackenzie Gore's sister. So it's all kind of in the family with Jager Haynes. I feel like there's got to be some inside information there. Sounds like an
1: Oliver Stone <laughs> <laughs> conspiracy it's theory. Yeah, had we known. Had we had we known all of this, we would have we would have been able to project that he was going to become a pop.
0: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Six Although, you know, like I said, he, he, he
3: could be really interesting because, like I said, the guy. You know, I mean, he's 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 like total projection right now. But I, I like that pick. Like I, I went from not knowing anything about it to going, hmm, I kind of like this. You getting an upside high school guy in the fifth round for a below slot like that. I would have thought would have been pretty impossible to do, but they but they did it.
2: So after the fifth round, the Padres have now signed uh, five undrafted free agents. Um, Danny Dens, Carter Lowen, Zach Mathis, Michael Green, Chase Walter. Uh, I I know that these guys are way off the top prospect list going into the draft, but do you guys have any uh, any opinion on any of these guys? I don't. <laughs> That's got- a fair answer.
3: Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, the Padres, like, I actually have notes on two of the five guys, which, you know, 40%, I think, is kind of a high hit rate on this first wave, you know, except the Royals who crushed it. That's kind of a high hit rate on these guys, because um, most of the guys I, I think you've signed would be guys who... Would have gone in the twenty fifth round or, or whatever. But the, the two guys who were on my radar, one, you know, one of them was Danny Dens, the, the senior lefty. They signed out of Memphis. He, he would have been a senior sign. I mean, he's a little lefty, five nine, um, kind of 90, 92, Gets swings and misses with the curveball. Um, yeah, I think he's a straight reliever. But he was he was on my you know, in a normal draft. He, he would have been a candidate maybe to go six to 10 as a discount guy, not, not on pure talent. And then the, uh, the other guy who's on my radar a little bit was chase Walter at Western Carolina. Who's he's like the opposite of Danny Dens. Danny Denz is like a five nine, 200 pound lefty and chase Walter's a six seven, two 260 pound righty. Um, you know, and he's a guy who could throw in the mid nineties and, and, and flash some power to a slider. And, you know, there's not a big history of success or strikes, but it's a, you know, it's a pretty interesting arm. You know, like, like you know, you, you're willing to take a a chance on for twenty thousand dollars. So, so those were the two guys I, I knew
2: for them. Yeah, Chase Walters, six seven two sixty. That's a big load. Yeah, it's a big boy. Okay, so they they shortened the draft to five five rounds after being forty rounds for so long. Uh, but what surprised me really was that they limited all the undrafted free agents to twenty thousand. I would have liked to see them allow each team to sign a few guys at say 125. Were you guys surprised to see just how far back everything got cut this year?
3: Uh, not really. I mean, if you look at it all in the context of the owners didn't want to have a draft, I mean, that's a fact it's been reported. The owners had their way. There would have been no draft this year. Um, no, it doesn't surprise me. It it disappoints me. Um, I, I think, baseball would have been a lot better off and the players would have been a lot better off to try to have some semblance of a normal draft this year. I mean, they're deferring the you know, you, you, you're not paying any of the guys in the first five rounds more than a hundred thousand up front. They're deferring all the money over two years. So it's not really even a, a cash flow issue for this year right now. But like you, you could have gotten more guys kinda out of this year's draft, out of the draft system if you'd had maybe a normal 10 round draft and then let teams sign three guys or five guys for a hundred thousand dollars. But but you know, it's I, I think, you know, from talking to teams, I'm sure Jonathan's gotten the exact same thing. I don't think many people with anybody I talk to who works for a team in scouting loves this system of what happened in 2020 at all. But they all kind of felt like, hey, we're all playing by the same rules. We're just going to have to deal with it and do the best we can.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. It's you know, it's it, it's all arbitrary. It, it's just a question of where that line is drawn. I, I think everyone is in agreement that the line was drawn way too soon early or whatever however you want to put it um but uh, they you know it, even as we were he- heading into the draft you know in the like month or so before and we're all waiting to find out most of the scouts that we talked to were kind of like just let us know like what it is so we can prepare we're ready we have our names we just know are we preparing for a five-round draft or are we preparing for a 10-round draft you know and i think you know i don't know what next year will, will look like at all but it, it's going to be the same kind of thing as long as they know what it is they're preparing for, they can do so accordingly.
2: So now, moving forward, we're going to have some stacked, stacked drafts in the next few years.
3: You know, I, I'll push back. I'm. Uh, I'll be the contrarian. I'll push back a little bit.
1: Wait, you're going to be the contrarian?
3: <laughs> I, I know you're. Shocked no, at this. I mean. On one hand you would think that but like what's going to happen you're not going to have you know Tim Corbin kept using this analogy when we were doing the draft stuff of having a pipe where water's pouring in one end and not coming out the other and eventually the pipe's going to burst. You know next year's only going to be a 20 round draft and if the vast majority of the guys and as of now it looks like it you know who we going to go around 6 to 20 go back to school you're going to have too many people in the draft next year. You're going to have the guys who would have been 6 to 20 this year and the guys who are 6 to 20 next year in a 20 round draft the math tells you only half those guys can get drafted, and it's not it, it, the guys who are going to get hurt are the guys who didn't get drafted this year because they're all going to be a year older next year. And teams have clearly shown a preference for younger players in the draft. And you know, even if you get drafted next year, let's say you go back to school, you retain your eligibility as a junior, and you're a 22-year-old college junior, teams don't value that. Those guys don't get full slot unless you have an unbelievable year. And and so what I actually think is going to happen is. I also think it's possible we could have the draft reduced to fewer than 20 rounds. You know, like I said, the owners didn't want to have a draft this year. I can't imagine they want to have a 20-round draft next year and, and, and stuff can get further negotiated. But I think instead of having these these unbelievable drafts, you're gonna have a bunch of guys who just lo- more so you're gonna have a bunch of guys who just lose out on the opportunity to ever get drafted. Because it's not like it's not like you're going to have a forty-round draft next year, and so all the guys who who didn't get drafted around six or twenty are going to get drafted along with all the guys next year. You're like, no, half those guys just aren't getting picked, and their opportunity is going to be gone. So, I, you know, I think it'll be deeper, like maybe in round six or ten. But this was a really good draft. I, I don't think next year's draft is going to be better than this one in terms of rounds one through five. And and really, I think you judge the draft by how good the top of the draft is. Um, and so yeah, you like, yeah, you might get a better eighth rounder than you normally would, but it's not like you're going to sign 35 players next year who belonged in the first, you know, 10 or 15 rounds. It's just a bunch of guys won't get picked.
0: So what do you guys, go ahead, go ahead, Jonathan. No, no, that's all right. I was
1: good. I mean, I think the one, the one point I tend to make is, is, is I generally agree with with Jim. Um, but, you know, I think the one area where, and I don't know if this impacts the draft more or what, I, you know, People who think that the junior college ranks are going to swell—I think that's the one area where I feel confident that, like, that's a, a hard yes. Some of it's anecdotal, just like even you know some kids from around here who weren't draft guys this year have already decommitted from four-year skill school, schools to move to junior college. But I could see there being a, a pretty good rush of players who uh, either are just like too concerned with the question marks that Jim alluded to and uh, college. Four-year college programs, but also maybe if some didn't get drafted, some of the high school kids who didn't get drafted and say, you know, "I want to take my chances next year." So I could see that that being a, a, a legitimate thing.
0: So moving on into you know into the future, where MLB wants to, they want to lower the draft to 20 rounds, at a hard stop right there. Yeah, how is that going to affect you guys, or how do you think it's going to affect baseball overall in the long term?
3: I don't think a 20 round draft affects things too much. I mean, I mean, to be honest, I mean, a 40 round draft is probably more rounds you legitimately need. I mean, there will be players you'll find in the 32nd round here and there, you know, three years, but you could, you could, I I think you could probably have a 20 round draft and it would be more efficient, especially if there's going to be fewer minor league teams, which there are. And I I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, in the next CBA, I, I would bet we have a, a reduced draft. Um, you know, right now it's 40 rounds in the CBA and I wouldn't be surprised if it's 20 rounds going forward in the future.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I don't, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. And, you know, listen, if minor league baseball is, um, is contracted in some way and there are less rosters to fill, um, you know, I don't necessarily have a, an issue with them shortening the draft. Uh, I would have liked for them not to have done it as, uh, draconically as they did, you know, like it, it, I think it could have been a, a shorter, shorter amount, but, uh, you know, like it, it could have been less drastic, but, uh, it is what it is.
0: Does that give you guys less work to do now? You don't have to be so pushed for deadlines or. Well, wow. you know, well,
1: and five rounds was definitely easier, you know, <laughs> okay. I mean, well, listen, Jim and I, you know, we've, we've gotten used to doing, uh, you know, pick by pick for 10 rounds, one minute spaced apart. So that was a vacation. Day 2 was a vacation for us. Um you know but uh, in all seriousness that, that I mean that's the only difference is that you know we didn't have to do that back half of, of day 2. I'm I'm hoping even if they extend it again let's say to 20 rounds that uh like we we really dug the format of, of how they s- split it up this year and you know I would not that anyone's going to listen to me but I say you know you do the same thing for night 1 day 2 you just do through rounds five and then round six through 20 can be day
3: three. And okay, I have a question for you, Jonathan. Here's my question for you. Cause, cause day two with the 10 rounds can be grueling. And just so you guys know, Don, when you're asking our preparation, you kind of have to prepare for guys who might go in the first 15 rounds and senior signs just to be safe. But Jonathan, if you had your choice, would you take what we had before day one, like, you know, as normal, which was pretty normal this year, Day two would be, I guess, rounds three through ten, minute between picks, rapid fire, three of us at a desk. Or behind door number two, you get day one normal like it was this year. (laughs) Day two like it was this year with more people involved, more time between picks, et cetera. But on day three, you have to be ready to discuss picks for in rounds six through 20. Every pick, round
1: six through twenty.
3: Maybe not every pick, but but like six through ten, and then you're we're 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 in and out on picks eleven rounds eleven through twenty. So so which is preferable if those are your two choices?
1: This is like the worst like Sophie's choice ever. I mean, <laughs> I wish really? people
3: could see your facial expression, <laughs> which I, I'm enjoying here on Skype. What? what? So you get easier day two, <laughs> but you have to dig deeper on day three. Maybe not all no. the way around twenty. No, I like, say rounds eleven through twenty. They'll make the picks, and then we have five minutes after each round to discuss the picks. You have to be, no. you have to. No, so no. you want you want the old system rather than my new I, system. I,
1: I, I refuse to to make a selection in this absurd multiple choice <laughs> you've given me.
3: That's very
0: disappointing. So, uh, very disappointing. So, Jonathan, well, did I can you, tell you from a, from a, from a
2: viewer standpoint, day two today was frustra or this year was frustrating because I would see the pick come up. And then, like, they're still talking about the last guy, or yeah. they're talking about something else. I'm, boom, boom. obviously as a Padres fan, I'm focusing on when my guy, when our pick comes up. Then I want to hear about that guy. And it's like a lot of it got lost in the shuffle. I, I granted, I get it. It's, it's, it's deep in the draft, and these guys aren't that interesting. But I don't know. I, I felt like it passed. It, like they passed a lot of guys by. This year yeah twice
3: as much time as they did in the past i didn't notice hmm. that at all so no neither
2: did i so maybe that's just me being
0: selfish so jim maybe you were, maybe
2: you need to uh, to cut back on that you know, the, the booze there on
1: draft, <laughs> the draft day we're
0: gonna get you guys just out staying. of here in a minute here um but jim you were brave enough to uh to tweet a picture of yourself with shorts uh, with the with the suit top on uh jonathan not so much with you were you full suit
1: no, I had, sh- I had shorts on and barefoot. I totally would have tweeted myself, but I just didn't get around to it. There was a couple of times in the middle of the broadcast. I was, if, if, if people of MLB network were probably laughing at me because I was sitting there trying to figure out how to do a selfie to get it all in. <laughs> I make a total fool of myself. Like, I have no problem with that. No, it was, uh-huh. I, it was I had like cargo shorts on with the j- jacket and tie.
0: Yep. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I, The last time I had you guys come on for a few quick minutes talking about Corona, kind of what you guys have been doing during the quarantine, it never struck me that, you know, you guys both work from home, so there's not really much of a change in your guys' behavior. Um, Has there been any change in your behavior? Are you guys watching any more shows? Are you uh, getting any better uh, television picks for us? Um, I
1: will say Jim's become a lot meaner. Wow. Shots fired. (laughs) Yeah, I, I so, um, contrarian. <laughs> so he's always been the contrarian and he knows it and he loves it uh for me i mean honestly the the biggest change for me has been the the beard that's really about it um it was people's got to see it on mlb network um so that was that's been about it definitely watched binge watched some more some more tv but like i tend to do that anyway like when if we would be traveling i would be Watching stuff. It's just I don't have to go anywhere to do it.
0: What have you been watching? Ooh,
1: you know what's funny? I mean, we just finished. I just finished Ozark. Okay. Um, which is if you want something like really, really dark and feel better about your own lives, I highly recommend it. I've been uh, in a little bit of a like uh, superhero. You know, I like all the Arrowverse kind of stuff. Okay. Sometimes you just want to watch. The good guys beat the crap out of the bad guys. guys. Yeah, absolutely. In today's like complicated world, it's nice to see that happen. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm looking for another uh, probably too intense show to to watch. That, that'll be next.
0: So I'll recommend uh, Counterpoint. It's on Amazon. Okay. It's on Amazon Prime. It's the uh, J.R. Uh, um, Simmons. He's the uh, State Farm guy. Yeah. It's a... Um, J.K. J. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. He's, this is um, his brother, J.R. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's an espionage thriller with a twist. It's dual worlds where they have um, the exact same world on the other side of this door, uh, yet something has happened where they have, uh, they have diverged. So it's uh, espionage and uh, dual worlds. It's really interesting, really good. You have to pay attention. It's pretty serious, but uh, it's really good. What about you, Jim? You know it's been
3: kind of business as usual. I mean, it's I felt like you know, I don't think we were any more or less busy than we normally were, and usually April through June's pretty busy. I mean, it's now the draft's over. I feel like I have some free time, but i didn't I, I didn't feel like i all these people binge watching and and having all this time i i I did not feel like I was one of them, so right um, <laughs> to, not, be fair,
1: TV. to be fair, most of my TV viewing came like you know a month or two ago it was not there's not been a, there had not been as much unless i need just need like 40 minutes to completely clear my head um but yeah and then
3: that was not a shot at you Jonathan. i just you yeah you, know, you we we both are on twitter as part of our jobs and you see people acting like oh i've run out of stuff to watch on netflix and i'm thinking boy that must be nice uh, <laughs> to have
0: that much time. i
3: haven't watched much at all in the last two months but no i mean we're, we're typically pretty i mean the shutdown happened in the middle of spring training and, you know, we're usually running around spring training camps and, and I kind of did virtual running around spring training camps. Cause I had not been to Arizona yet. Jonathan had, so I wound up doing five teams worth of stories in Arizona, but from Chicago. And then it was diving into the draft for two plus months. So now, uh, you know, now, now is kind of the, the weird time because we normally would be getting ready for PDP league which has been canceled college world series draft would have been at the college world series. That got canceled. Um, you know, you, you, alluded to the Pottery's top 30 list. Those lists are going to be a lot easier to update because none of the guys currently on the list sounds has done anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, you know, like, now's kind of the time where it's, it's, it, it feels unusual.
0: Another show that you, you might be able to watch with your wives. Uh, my wife literally got into it was called the Great. Uh, it's, um, it's on Hulu. It's about Catherine the Great and her rising to power, but it's very much, you know, although it's a Russian, you know, it's a obviously Russian, um, uh, Russian King and Queens or whatever. Uh, it's in Dunham British. It's very much almost, um, modern language. And, uh, it's really interesting. It takes a minute to get used to, but it's really fun to watch. And, uh, you know, your wife might like it as well, but it's kind of cool. Guys, just for your information, Donovan's wife happens to co-host a podcast
2: about TV shows and movies so <laughs> Donovan, this is where Donovan's been picking up this side gig Thank you guys so much for really. being so gracious with your time to come on and spend some time with us. This has been great giving us some extra insight into the uh, the guys we hope are Padres very soon
3: Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's always good talking draft and it's, it's fun talking Padres prospects because there's so many of them
0: Alright guys, we appreciate it. Take care